Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Modern Health with Dr. Jane. I, of course, am Dr. Jane. I'm a naturopathic doctor and natural fertility expert, and I'm really passionate about helping couples get pregnant naturally, helping them get down to the root cause of their infertility struggles. Today, I'm gonna to talk about recurrent pregnancy loss. This is a really um, tough topic to talk about. I don't know if there's any topics that aren't tough in the infertility space. But, you know, every time I have somebody who shares their story with me or work with patients who have recurrent pregnancy loss, uh, it holds a very special place in my heart. I experienced one miscarriage and actually one of the reasons that I really decided to step into the fertility space, because when I experienced my miscarriage, I was a naturopath at the time, I was an athlete, you know, been in the health and fitness industry for a really long time. And I had zero tools to figure out how to manage or deal with a miscarriage, how common they are, what to look for, how to support myself. And then of course the recurrent pregnancy loss, that's a whole other topic that I had no idea was occurring to women. And I feel like women were misguided, whether they were taken advantage of or not provided enough support through this time, they were just kind of pushed aside that you know, after experiencing one loss, I can't imagine what it's like to experience four, five, nine, ten. The stories that I've heard are, are um, horrific, and I really still get emotional with the losses, especially when it's my patients that I've been working for a while and we experience another loss. Uh, you know, I still cry every time, even though I I know I am a professional and I try to. Uh, set some boundaries, but in reality, I feel the pain, you guys, and that's why I'm here. Um, you know, I'm a mother, I've experienced the miscarriage loss myself, and I really, really am passionate about helping you guys understand what's going on. The fr big frustration that not only I know you have, but I have as a practitioner as well, is it's really hard to get answers. Um, there's usually not enough support while you're going through a miscarriage or even after it just seems like nobody really cares, which, you know, is heartbreaking because it's like, well, just wait and see what happens. And then of course, there's no clear path because we don't have answers. There's not enough support. You don't really know what you need to change or what to do. So today I want to do a little bit, you know, I want to kind of give you some tools and really help you find a team of professionals that are going to be kind, supportive, and responsive and provide you with a clear path and solutions and provide you with some answers, right? We're not looking for all the answers, but we're looking for some answers. And unfortunately, as annoying as it is to go through a bunch of testing, it's uh, testing does provide us with answers. And I think a lot of people underestimate how much testing we can really do, even when you feel like you've done everything. Um, I guarantee you that you haven't. And it's not uh, so much about redoing the same testing over and over again. It's really trying to find new information and matching it up with the symptoms, the other symptoms that you're experiencing to help us understand why the miscarriages are happening uh, over and over again. Because here are the main mistakes that I see uh, for women who are going through recurrent pregnancy loss is, and we see this mistakes because we are told, so when I went through my miscarriage, I was told I needed to have three pregnancy losses in a row in order to be considered for any kind of testing. And so, or getting any kind of help, which is 
very false information. We do not need to wait for three miscarriages. Now, you know, do you need to do testing after the first miscarriage? Probably not, but it depends on the person. I had access to lab testing and I had access to colleagues and professionals that I reached out right away and it gave me a peace of mind. Most women uh, who reach out to me have had at least two losses. And then of course, some have had multiple, whether it's three or five or seven. So lots of losses, but you don't have to wait to have three losses in order to start getting help. Uh, very much about taking this journey into your own hands. The second mistake is just keep trying and hope that it sticks. Sometimes we as women will put blindfolders on and say, okay, I'm going to do anything to have a baby. And if that means if I just continue trying and maybe the next one will stick and maybe the next one will stick, not realizing uh, that we're actually very emotionally detached by that point. Uh, and also that there's a lot that's going on physically for the body as well. To be pregnant and not pregnant, pregnant and not pregnant is a big stress on the system. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you've had multiple miscarriages and now you're kind of in this space where I'll just keep trying, uh, I hope that, you know, we can pull you back a little bit and look at the big picture and help understand what's, what's really happening here, what's the body trying to tell us. And the last mistake that I see, and I'll talk very briefly about this, is doing IVF, so doing intra, uh, intra vitro fertilization to help you get pregnant. And I'll unpack this a little bit more, but really IVF is designed to help you get pregnant versus maintain a pregnancy. So if you have no issues getting pregnant, IVF is probably not a great solution for you. And it drives me nuts when the conventional system recommends that. Uh, I'll tell you when it is a good time potentially uh, that it could work for recurrent pregnancy loss. But the first step is really understanding why you can't maintain that pregnancy. And there are really three main reasons why you are experiencing recurrent pregnancy loss. It's poor quality egg or sperm or both. Uh, it's a poor environment, aka the womb, the uterus. And number three, the body doesn't have the tools and the resources that it needs to be able to sustain the pregnancy. So let's unpack these three reasons. So the poor egg and the poor sperm quality, if that's the reason as to why you're miscarrying, so essentially when the egg and the sperm fertilize, uh, whether it's some DNA, whether it's some nutrients that's missing, there's a lot of replication that needs to happen in order for that fetus, and it happens throughout the entire pregnancy. And there's a lot of things that need to happen in the female body system, you know, the downregulation of the immune system and the acceptance of this foreign object, aka the sperm, and then the fertilized egg and the embryo is considered a foreign object. So there's a lot of things that need to happen, but the replication that happens in the first trimester is like, it's very, very fast. I think a lot of people really underestimate how much happens in the first trimester. And so if there's any genetic issues, if there's any like one replication that goes off wrong, it can make, it can cause the fetus to be non-viable. So whether it's the heart doesn't develop properly, the nervous system doesn't develop properly, liver, kidney, something, the brain, all of a sudden the body will abort that pregnancy because it is not viable. So if you go ahead and test the tissue that you pass, depending on how long you carry. So if you're carrying only five weeks, you're probably not going to have very much tissue that you notice. It'll just look like a heavy period versus if you are, um, you're having 
a loss at about seven weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks, you're going to have some tissue that you pass. And if you decide to test that tissue, usually there is some genetic malformation. That's how we know it's the quality of the egg or the sperm. And I have lots of podcasts on understanding is it the quality of the sperm, is it the quality of the egg? So always, if you're experiencing recurrent pregnancy loss, we want to be looking at those things. We want to optimize the quality of the egg and the quality of the sperm, because of course, we want to rule out uh, anything, um, any possible reasons and uh, get ahead of them. The next one is going to be a poor environment or the body doesn't have the tools that it needs to maintain it. And so when I mean by poor environment, I talk a little bit about that in my ectopic pregnancy podcast where if the environment is unsafe, there's a lot of pathogenic bacteria, or there is uh, not a, the lining of the uterus is either too thick or too thin. So the most common one is going to be really thin for recurrent pregnancy loss, because now the fertilization can happen. But when that fertilized egg goes to implant, it's there is not enough lining for it to implant into. So I always want you to envision like the egg traveling down the fallopian tube and then like falling into a cloud, into a pillow and embedding itself into the uterus. And if that cloud is just non-existent or it's really, really thin, the egg cannot implant in there. And the most common reason for really thin lining is gonna be low progesterone. And then, of course, we always want to dig deeper and understand why do I have low progesterone? Is it poor quality of the egg? Is it stress? Am I depleting my nutrients somewhere else? So those resources are going uh, somewhere else instead of producing progesterone. Uh, is there a chronic infection, which, of course, will impact the environment as well? But that's going to be, you know, one of the more common reasons of experiencing recurrent pregnancy loss is having low progesterone. And what I'll say is I'll have a lot of women who are like, oh, I have low progesterone. And then they stop at that. And then, well, now I need to be on progesterone all the time. Where in reality, the question is, why do you have low progesterone? And typically there is a connection with the quality of the egg as well, because the bigger the egg, the more the egg grows and the follicle matures, the kind of the bigger the ovulation you're going to have. And then the bigger that corpus luteum will be, after the ovulation, the corpus luteum is the thing that's going to help maintain the progesterone throughout the second half of the cycle, but also throughout the pregnancy. And one of the ways to check to see if you have good ovulation is, of course, white cervical fluid production. And then you can, of course, do some testing, some lab testing, you know, day three FSH, LH, uh, estrogen. And then day 21, day 19 to 22, let's say, so it should be seven days post-ovulation that you test your progesterone levels. Um, if you are doing basal body temperature tracking, you're looking at minimum 10 days of positive body temperature, right? Much higher, but ideally it's 14. So if it's anything that's under 10, you're gonna, uh, you're much more likely to miscarry. And I had, you know, women who've only had like four days of luteal uh, phase. So very short second half of the cycle. And that's typically because they have low progesterone. So of course, the, they're just going to miscarry because you don't have that progesterone for long enough for the, for the fetus to implant. The body drops the progesterone and it signals the body to shed the lining. So there's always a reason as to what why the body is getting uh, is not keeping the pregnancy. It's just really understanding the why. The so the fetus is viable, but there's not brain environment or the body can't maintain it. 
we talked about the low progesterone. The next thing is going to be clotting disorders. So there are some genetic components here as well. And some uh, clotting disorders get worse with things like autoimmune disease present or inflammation present. And so the next thing that you want to look is, do you have autoimmune disease? And autoimmune disease can hide. Uh, you know, the ANA profile is the most common thing that people test, but you actually want to test the ENA profile. And you also want to check uh, to see your thyroid antibodies. You also want to check to see for things like celiac, because you might not test positive for the ANA and even some of the ENA might come up, uh, you know, quote unquote normal. But if the thyroid antibodies are really high, that's a sign of autoimmune disease. If you have a leaky gut, if you have infections, you can test for infections like Lyme and lupus and, uh, you know, CBV, EBV. You can test for all sorts of infections now just to see what has been potentially you had present before in high amounts and maybe what's really dormant and your body is kind of used to carrying that load, but it is still putting a stress on the body. So autoimmune disease is really important to rule out. I can't tell you how many women who are like, yeah, I have autoimmune disease and recurrent pregnancy loss, but my doctor says there's no connection. It's a huge connection between your immune system and the ability to carry. The first reaction of the egg of the sperm is that of the immune system. And so if the female body has an upregulated immune system, it's just going to kick out anything that it is associating as a foreign object. So sperm is a foreign object. Once the fertilization happens, that embryo is a foreign object. And the body just can't downregulate because the immune system for the females needs to be able to downregulate in order to accept the fetus and implant. So it will just kick it out instead of doing you know, quote unquote, what it's supposed to. So we want to make sure that you deal with your immune system. And I have a lot, a lot of information on autoimmune disease. So if this is the first time listening to the podcast and you want to know some more information, send me a DM and I'll point you to the right podcast or give you a right resource because autoimmune disease is very, very treatable. Yes, there is a genetic component to it, but it's not like something that I have autoimmune disease and now I have to live with it for the rest of my life. No, no, no. You absolutely need to fix the gut, get rid of the infections, optimize your environment, and you'll see that your body can thrive. And then of course, uh, you can maintain that pregnancy. The other thing that you need to look at is thyroid. I talked about antibodies, but just thyroid function. So TSH, free T3, free T4, uh, the baby will actually rely on your thyroid function up until I believe it's week 14 or week 15, maybe even a little bit later. So the thyroid works over time when you're pregnant, especially in that first trimester. And then of course, in that second and third, as you get bigger, there's a lot more stress on the body. But if your thyroid, if your thyroid right now is already sluggish, then imagine asking it to do double the work. It's just not going to be able to handle it. And so uh, that's a really common reason when if the metabolism is our thyroid governs our metabolism. But when it comes to pregnancy, it really helps with development, nervous system development and making sure that, you know, the brain develops properly, that that can't happen. And as soon as that fetus is quote unquote, not viable, then the body will abort it. And usually I find if it's thyroid issues, what I've seen in practice is you tend to carry longer and lose the baby a bit later. So like 10, 11, 12, and even 13 weeks. So 
that tends to be with a thyroid, but not, you know, not necessarily always true. Remember I said, we want some answers. You're never going to get exact answers because we're playing with nature here and nature just does a lot of things that we're unaware of behind the scenes. And so we're just trying to get some answers that are going to point us in the right direction. Um, the other thing that's really important and I think overlooked is actually blood sugar regulation. So if we have uh, poor insulin uh, regulation or blood sugar, really high insulin levels, fasted is what you're wanting to test. Uh, insulin is actually very toxic to the placenta. And so if it's toxic to the placenta and it cuts out blood supply, then you're not going to be able the, there's no blood supply going to the baby and the, you know, the heartbeat will just stop. And that's actually one of the same reasons for clotting disorders, why clotting disorders are really important to look into is because if you're clotting too quickly, there's so many new blood vessels that are being formed that when you have a clotting disorder, you're going to clot a lot more and the clots will prevent the the blood flow going to the fetus. And usually it's very, uh, you know, quote unquote, abrupt when uh, it, the for, for the loss to happen. I think it's always abrupt, but, uh, you know, I just recently had a patient and she had spotting from day one. She just experienced her third loss. And we've been really working hard and trying to figure out what's happening because she's never had uh, clotting disorders ruled out. And there's some stuff that has come up a little bit positive, but not enough positive. But one of the things that was, uh, you know, peculiar, if you will, during the pregnancy, she was passing really large clots, even though the pregnancy was still viable. So she was passing clots through the entire pregnancy. And of course, she was getting a bunch of testing and ultrasounds. And it was like, well, we have a good heartbeat and here's the baby and things are good. And then next thing you know, there is no heartbeat anymore. And so you're going to have a miscarriage. Um, and the fact that she was passing really large clots while the baby was still viable, that was, you know, a red flag for me to say, hey, something is going on here and we need to look into this, which is, of course, what we're doing um, now. So I hope you guys kind of find this helpful. And really, when you experience a lot of losses, this isn't a time for you to try to figure this out on your own. I think, uh, you know, the goal of this podcast is to help you understand that maybe the practitioner that you're working with is missing some things and maybe they're not uh, supporting you as much as you need support or uh, in order to be able to help you get to the other side and actually meet your baby and carry that baby to term. Um, because know that you're never going to know the exact reasons why like miscarriages are common in pregnancy. And again, that was something that was a big shock to me when I experienced my my miscarriage, because I had no idea that one in four women will experience a miscarriage. And it's like one in four women, that's huge. Uh, how come we're not taught about this? How come we're not told that it's really common? And if you have a miscarriage, here's what you can do. Here's how you can support your system. Instead, we're told, well, if it happens again, uh, two more times, in fact, then we can talk about it. But, you know, it sounds like you need to have three miscarriages in a row. But guess what? That can take a minimum of a year. And for some women, it's going to take longer, depending on if their cycle regulates right away, depending on how emotionally traumatic it was. Like, there's so many factors. I have people who've lost, you know, five babies in a year and a half. And I have people who have lost three babies in two and a half years because they weren't ready or in three years. So 
it's very different for every woman. And what we really need is to provide you guys with support and tools and guidance. And so then you can make decisions and you can overcome this as opposed to feel like you're just waiting and hoping that the next experience is going to be different. So like I said, there's never going to be an exact reason why, but we need to get, we need to do an investigation. We need to do lots of investigation, lots of different types. And most docs just won't do it unless you demand it. And sometimes you even have to pay privately for it, which I know is wildly, wildly unfair. It drives me nuts, but that's the reality of the situation. And really the goal is to educate you and for you to educate yourself so you feel empowered. So you're not wasting money on tests that are not going to get you any closer, but you're actually, you're just very uh, specific in terms of, okay, I've already done these tests and we know it's not blood clotting disorders. What's the next thing? Have we really ruled out autoimmune disease? Great. If we haven't, let's do that. Have we really ruled out thyroid issues? Have we really ruled out blood sugar issues? And so you're just going to go down the list like this to make sure that we are not ignoring anything. We're not forgetting anything. Uh, and then we're also working with the symptoms that you are experiencing. For example, um, you know, a lot of women that I have worked with who have recurrent pregnancy loss, they have a lot of symptoms that have been ignored And whether it's things like fatigue, brain fog, inflammation, like pain, somewhere in the body, whether it's their joints or their eyes or their, you know, stomach, whatever. Um, gray hair, like that's a really common sign of fast aging and poor antioxidant status. So if you're in your early to mid thirties and you have an insane amount of gray hair, we have to look at what's causing that gray hair because gray hair is actually caused by poor antioxidants, uh, too many reactive oxygen species. So and the, you know, the counterintuitive of that is antioxidants. So having gray hair is a huge red flag for aging, right? And so if you're in your thirties and your, your body is much older than that, then we need to look at that. Weight loss resistance is another huge one. And then of course, blood sugar regulation. A lot of um, women are walking with metabolic disease that they're, they are not even aware that they have it because quote unquote, all their markers are normal, but you have to look at the symptoms. You have to look at, sometimes you have to look at deeper things. If you are suspecting blood sugar issues, it's like, Hey, you need to test fasted insulin. You need to test fasted blood glucose. You need to test your HbA1c. And then, uh, you know, you also need to match it up with the symptoms that you're having. So all of these things are going to impact your egg quality. It's going to impact your mitochondrial function. Mitochondria is, you know, essentially the powerhouse of the cell. And there's hundreds and thousands of mitochondria per egg. So we need good mitochondria function. Our mitochondria will also help us produce hormones like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and cortisol. So if you have stress issues, if you have low estrogen or low progesterone and high estrogen, your testosterone is really low. We have to look at the mitochondria. Uh, and then you also probably have immune system stuff, whether it's allergies, right? Whether it's food sensitivities or you're, you know you have autoimmune disease or you never seem to really get sick, but you never really well, or when you get sick, you get taken out for a long time. You don't have good resiliency. All these are signs that something is off and all these are ways that we can improve your health, improve your fertility, and therefore improve your chances of carrying to term. 
what I want to kind of remind you of is, and how I think about pregnancy is, the truth of the matter is pregnancy is the hardest thing that the female body will ever do. It's very, very difficult on the body. We're asking the body to build a human from scratch. And what I'm passionate about as a naturopath and a natural fertility expert is helping women get to a place of feeling like they're overflowing with energy and abundance and vitality. And that energy has nowhere else to go but to make a baby. Most women and most couples do not feel that way. Most women feel really depleted. They feel really stressed out. They feel exhausted. And some of that, of course, is contributing to the fact that you've experienced a bunch of losses. But the other part of it is that we've never really known what it's like to feel good in our body. We had no idea what it's like to, you know, feel confident in our system, not worry about our digestion, wake up in the morning and feel rested and refreshed, not worrying about taking a Claritin because now it's allergy season or having a headache right before your menstrual cycle. So I'm just going to pop a Tylenol or I have really painful cycles. Like there's a lot of things that we just do on autopilot because we have no idea how to do it any other way. And um, I want you to use your fertility journey as a guide to your healing journey. And I don't want you to put yourself through unnecessary pain. I don't want you to do unnecessary things or unnecessary testing uh, just because you want to meet your baby. I, of course, respect that and understand that and desire to help women as much as we can. But I don't want you to be a warrior. I want you to heal. We have these terms of, uh, you know, I'm going to, IVF warrior is the one that comes to mind, but it's just, we really put our, we as women sometimes can put ourselves through hell. And I think it actually needs to be the opposite. Remember, you want to create from a place of abundance, from a place of vitality in this energy that's overflowing, as opposed to fatigue, exhaustion, you know, um, depletion. And a quick note on the IVF for recurrent pregnancy loss, really, if it's not the quality of the egg or the sperm, the, the IVF is not going to be a good solution for you because, of course, there's no issues getting pregnant. The issue is maintaining a pregnancy. And the way that we want to rule out if it's the egg or the sperm is you want to do a sperm analysis. And then for females, yes, there's no exact test that's going to show us the quality of the egg. But remember, your eggs are just the reflection of your cells. So we can test micronutrient levels. We can test fatty acids. We can test your blood sugar, your inflammation right, markers, your thyroid, your gut function, your environmental toxic load, how your liver is functioning, how your kidneys are functioning. And if we can take an overall assessment of your health, then we have a pretty good idea of what's going on with your eggs. And so, of course, for the males, it's a lot easier to test that sperm. But for me, I have a podcast that's called IVF Checklist. And the idea here is that, hey, let's make sure that we really understand what's happening and we are in the best possible health before we dive into an expensive procedure, physically, mentally, and emotionally expensive procedure like IVF. So we can be empowered and feel in control and understand why we're doing what we're doing as opposed to just guessing and hoping it's going to work out. So that's my take on IVF for recurrent pregnancy loss. 
make sure you do some testing beforehand. And if it's the quality of the egg and the sperm, the egg is, you know, the sperm, they can clean it up. The egg, ladies, we still have to do some work. We still have to do some work to improve the quality of that egg. Because guess what? Women will go into IVF and then they'll have a really good retrieval, lots of eggs, and then fertilization doesn't happen. Or fertilization happens, but it doesn't grow and develop enough to be implanted. And so now you've done all the hormones and all the emotional and financial investing, and it didn't even progress to the point where you wanted it to. So I think it's really important to still prioritize yourself, take care of yourself, and really invest into figuring out what's happening for you, becoming that vessel of vitality, energy, abundance, and then seeing where, you know, seeing what the next step is. So I hope you guys found this helpful. Um, you know, I'd love for you to send me a message if you have any questions or if you're like, oh, okay, can you send me some more podcasts? I'm really enjoying learning this information. I'm really, really happy to provide you with that information. And do make sure you click the follow button so you don't miss any of the podcasts that are coming from me. The last thing that I'll say is if you are listening to this and you actually are going through a miscarriage, I created a miscarriage support program. So this is a program I developed after I had my miscarriage. And this is the information that I wish I had while I was going through my miscarriage. Because, of course, like I said, so many of us women have miscarriages, but so little of us are educated in terms of how to actually support the body through a miscarriage and help the miscarriage pass, help the body recover, help the hormones stabilize and get ourselves ready for that next pregnancy. So if you're interested in learning more about the program or taking the program, go ahead and click the link below for the miscarriage support program. And of course, if you have any questions, please send me a DM on Instagram or Facebook. I'm very active on those platforms and I'm happy to point you in the right direction. I hope you guys found this helpful. Um, I look forward to connecting with you again soon. And like I said, hit the follow button so you don't miss anything, uh, any, any other new podcasts that are coming from me. Thanks so much. Much love. And we'll talk to you soon.